You're listening to the Homeschooling Families Podcast by Teach Them Diligently. Welcome. Every week, we bring you simple answers to help your homeschool family thrive. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. These past couple of years have been challenging in so many ways, and our culture has changed immensely and quickly. The realities for our children are a lot different than they were for us when we were growing up. So how can we help them learn to roll with the changes in their lives? And how can we help them bounce back when they're disappointed? Beyond even that, how can we silence the voices of doubt and failure in our own minds and find our own resiliency as parents? Today's episode is one that I recorded in 2021 and I thought was incredibly relevant and helpful for us today. I'm joined by a favorite around here, Dr. Kathy Cook. Dr. Kathy is one of the most knowledgeable and insightful people I know. She loves people and shows. On her heart right now is helping children and adults to be resilient. And she recently published a book on the subject called Resilient Kids, Raising Them to Embrace Life with Confidence. The insight she gave as we chatted is incredible and you don't want to miss a minute. Now, the Teach Them Diligently podcast couldn't exist without the partners we work with, and I hope you'll join us as we thank them. This month, we're focusing on the ministry that our family has been involved with for years and that impacts children and consequently the adults who love them all around the globe. Did you know that you can be a part of the Great Commission simply by packing an Operation Christmas Child shoebox gift? Your gift of school supplies, toys, hygiene items, and more will open the door for children around the world to encounter the love of Christ for the very first time. Around 1,000 churches are being planted each year, even among unreached people groups, as communities are transformed by the power of the gospel. National Collection Week is coming up soon, November 14th through the 21st, and you can learn more by going to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash OCC. I really do hope that you'll make Operation Christmas Child a large part of your family's holiday plans. This ministry allows all of us to play a role in the work that God is doing all around the world, and I count it such a privilege to pack those boxes each year. I'm telling you that the impact that that ministry had on my own children's hearts as they were growing up was truly profound. You can find more details inside the Teach Them Diligently app because I put a banner ad at the top so you can get information anytime you pull up the TTD app or go to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash OCC to learn more and see how you can get involved. Again, go to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash OCC to learn how you and your family can get involved. So now, won't you join me in welcoming Dr. Kathy Cook to the podcast today as we talk all about resiliency. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. I am very, very thrilled to be able to uh, have Dr. Kathy Cook back on the uh, podcast today. Dr. Kathy joined us last season for Teach Them Diligently, and then she's done, um, she did a 365 Moms Night with us. She's done some podcasting with us, um, has just really got a heart to minister to Teach Them Diligently families and families all across, or actually all around the world. So Dr. Kathy, welcome back to the Teach Them Diligently podcast. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you and David and what you all stand for and the events that you have. And 
what a joy to be able to support uh, your families. Absolutely. Great to be here. Well, we are always so glad. For those who have not yet met you, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and your ministry and kind of you know, what angle you come at uh, helping families and speaking to families from so that then as we dive into talking about resiliency and, and kind of popping back up when we fall on our faces, that that you know people will have a little bit more context for where you're coming from in that. Yeah, I'd love to. So I'm a, I'm a former uh, educator, coach, school board member, professor, kind of did a little bit of everything. And God called me uh, 30 years ago to work primarily with parents. Uh, so I moved from Green Bay, Wisconsin, where I had been a professor, to Fort Worth, Texas, where um, we have the corporate headquarters. We're also officed in Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, Kansas City, Kansas, uh, because we have staff that's you know um, remote. But uh, we, we approach uh, the family. We're, we're pro-family. I believe that children are are meant to be raised by um, moms and dads, and I think siblings and aunts and uncles and grandparents are so important. I was raised that way, and I wish that more of our children had those experiences. Mm. But uh, we're very positive. Celebrate kids means that we should celebrate kids for who they are, not just for what they do. We want to know their strengths because you use your strengths to overcome the weaknesses and the challenges of your life. So we are positioned to help parents identify who their kids are and Leslie, why are our kids who they are? You know, mm. why did God choose for our kids to be the way they are? We're passionate about that because we want to help parents and kids walk with integrity into their designed purpose. And that's uh, that's a, a bit of our passion. We do uh, events that celebrate kids. We'll come into churches and uh, schools and provide uh, training. I'm hired by uh, a variety of organizations to do training like I am for Teach Them Diligently. And then we have a product line and we have, you know, social media and, and things like you do as well that are designed to be an ongoing day to day encouragement for people. Um, we're fans of homeschooling, uh, obviously, or I wouldn't be on the podcast with you today. <laughs> Yeah, and we are we are so grateful for for the work that you do. And I wanted to to follow up on one of the things that you said before we dive in. You talked about you know getting to know you know who your kids are, what what makes them tick, so that they can walk with integrity into what they are designed to be. Mm-hmm. And you know, as a mom of four, I have four very similar and incredibly unique kids. I, you know, they, they are cohesive. They are an amazing group together, but David and I were just talking this morning, even, you know, you see my youngest one has a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And then this one has a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And so they are four incredibly unique people as parents how or what, I guess, is the best way as our kids are growing up, you know, mine are now 20, almost 22 to 15. So, you know, I've, I've been looking at them for a really long time now. But as they were growing up and as as these parents have kids in there that are growing up, what are the best ways or what are some tips that they can really kind of get in and see those unique elements that make each child who they are, um, whether that's an element that you love or whether it's an element that there's a little bit more friction of. Um, because I know a lot of those frictiony elements are actually really great strengths. Um, but how do we really discern that? And, and you know, I, I know that's not the main topic of our podcast, but I think everyone mm. is sitting there going, oh, I want that so much. Yeah, no, I love the question. You know, and the, the first thing that comes to mind is we have to be willing to look at our children without preconceived notions, right? Mm. To, to observe them, to listen to them to really see who is there and what is there. 
rather than wanting something to be there and then forcing that to be there, if you will, or wanting them to be musically talented, discovering that they really don't care about music and then being so disappointed that we cannot see what is there. Right. I think that's really important. They're created in God's image, not our image. And so they will be different from us. And that, you know, God does have a sense of humor uh, in that because, you know, that friction that you mentioned, of course, is very real. I think um, really sitting and being quiet and observing is very, very important. We're very busy. And so mm -hmm. I think we can lose sight of some things that are there that our kids would love to do if there was more uh, space in their day, if you will. And I think sometimes asking them direct questions, you know, there's, there's assessment tools that we can use. I'm not opposed to some of that. I think though, as, as kids are old enough, even a six-year-old, you know, what do you like to do? And what are your dreams for your tomorrows? And, you know, what hmm. ticks you off and what turns you on? And I think sometimes to ask the direct question of the children is important. You know, if they're in a co-op, ask a co-op teacher, ask a grandparent, what have you noticed? Even asking a sibling, you know, what have you noticed about your younger sister? They will sometimes have a really unique spin on something that we might miss out on because of the, again, preconceived notions we have or the assumptions we've made or the strengths that we've seen. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's and that's one of the things that is such a strength of homeschooling because we yes. are afforded so much more time to do that, to sit down and and talk to them or play with them. You know, I've got one child who is just so differently bent, honestly, than the other three. But that became very apparent as we would sit and play when, it's a he, when he was younger. And, you know, he's very meticulous about building and figuring out things. And he's, he's you know, now he, he owns the fact that he's, you know, a little bit nerdy and he's a little bit quirky and that he leans into that. That's who he is. But that we all, we've known that forever because of just the way that he played was so different. But we discovered that by sitting in the ground and playing with him, you know? Right. And I, I also think that homeschooling has an advantage of knowing the whole child. Yes. Like we, we, we children have an intellectual self. And of course, that's very important to homeschool families and very important to parents who send their kids off to school. But then often they come home from that school setting and it's what did you do today and how yeah. did you do today? And, you know, did you ace your spelling quiz? Where when we homeschool, we realize they have an emotional self and we need to steward that and we need boundaries and self-control for their emotions. They do have an intellectual self. They have a social self. Have you been respectful? Have you been friendly? Have you been outgoing when there was a new you know, person who we invited over for lunch on Sunday? How did you react? There is a spiritual self. Absolutely. You know, how are you doing in your spiritual growth and in your relationship with Christ and the people in our fellowship at church, there's a physical self. How are you doing with your physical attributes? And that's, you know, health and wellness, but also physical attributes of athletics and, and things like that. So we, we can pay attention to the whole child, I think, more readily as a homeschool mm -hmm. family. And, in, and, you know, and what's interesting, Leslie, in reality, if you think about your day, we don't do intellectual pursuit for 20 minutes and then emotion. <laughs> and then spiritual, and then physical. No, in reality, we integrate all of it, right? And we don't even do spelling separate from writing, separate from history. In reality, when we age out of school, especially, it's an integration of all things at all times that we're invested in, whether that's hobby or career or ministry. And so again, another advantage of homeschooling is the integration of it all. Whereas in the other school model, 
you know, we spell for 20 minutes and then we, we have a grammar lesson and that's just not the way the world really works. Right. No, absolutely. Um, but, but you're right. Homeschooling gives you so much insight, so much time to develop those relationships and to really, um, get to the heart of the matter about all of those different elements of what makes your child unique and what makes them them. And what makes them them is what God is going to use in the future to help them turn the world mm. upside down, doing what he's called them to do. And oh, it's so yes. exciting to have a front row seat to watch that develop. Yes, come on. And it, and it, you know, it, it includes the challenges, Leslie. It includes oh, yeah. the... It includes the autism. It includes the dysgraphia. It includes the introverted nature of a kid that makes you know it really hard for for group work. All of that, God uses our challenges. He uses the the things that might make us quirky, if you will, um, for His glory and His good. When children realize these do not make them bad people, right? And again, that's that's one of the things that we can do better, probably in a homeschool family than in other situations. Oh, absolutely. Well, for those who want to dive deeper in this, before we transition into what we're really going to talk about, can you <laughs> tell them just real quick, and I'll link in the show notes, but but what resources do you have available to help people better understand kind of these different elements, these different um, smarts, the different types of kids that we have and how to really parent and teach to those strengths? Yeah, I appreciate that. So if you haven't yet read my book, Eight Great Smarts, I would certainly recommend that. It's about the eight different intelligences that we and our kids have and how to honor them according to God's design and then how to teach and review uh, to all eight smarts. And then we have a new book that a colleague of mine wrote called Eight Great Smarts for Homeschoolers. So if you're listening and you've already heard me speak or read my book, Eight Great Smarts, you might enjoy uh, Tina Hollenbeck's book, Eight Great Smarts for Homeschoolers. And they're both available at our website, CelebrateKids.com. And of course, uh, the online opportunities exist as well. And then, you know what, Leslie, my book, um, Start With the Heart, which is a book about character and motivation and communication, is also a very key book to securing a child's heart so that they care what we think. And that book is all about knowing our kids and, and raising them up to be who God created them to be. So that one's called Start With the Heart. The book Five to Thrive is also super relevant to their identity and their purpose and to our identity and our purpose. You know, there's probably some moms listening wondering, you know, have I forgotten who I am and why <laughs> I was created? You know, we get so in the trenches of the day to day, which, of course, I honor that for you. But the book Five to Thrive would probably be a huge blessing as well. And then I wrote a book about technology. I wrote, you know, other things. But those are the three that I would highlight today that I think would yeah. be super relevant. And I appreciate you giving me a chance to do that. So CelebrateKids.com is our website. We have a podcast encouraged with Celebrate Kids that people might want to listen to as well. Yep. We will be sure to link all of those in the show notes. Um, but but right now we are kind of in the throes of homeschooling all of us that are still doing it. Um, it's you know mid-October. That is historically the time of year when I, I find my valley a little bit. I think you start yeah. with so much excitement. You end the first semester with the holidays and all of the beauty that goes along with that. And now it's, it's October. It's nice outside. I really just want to be out playing. And yet, you know, we still have stuff to do. And I think that that lends itself to really just a lot of stumbles or at least kind of filling in the valley a little bit. So I wanted to have you talk with us a little bit today about 
how we encourage our kids when they find themselves kind of stumbling and, and kind of in a valley and, and, and having a hard time with things, but also because we can't pour something out that we don't have. How do we as moms get over those same issues that we see in our kids? Yeah. Th- thanks for bringing that up. You know, um, I hope you wouldn't be opposed to me suggesting that it's okay for us to take what I would call a mental health day. Yes. Oh, no, you, I'm all know, for that. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, there's there's more that we can talk about strategy-wise. And I'm not saying that every Monday is a mental health day. That would not be appropriate. But, <laughs> you know, if, if, if it's really a gorgeous day and the fall leaves are falling and you've got young ones who would love to jump in the piles... I mean, one of the freedoms that you have, there's there's no hurry, there's no calendar that you have to follow. Now, you could do schooling for 90 minutes, two hours in the morning, and then take the rest of the day off. Or, you know, simply go to the park and have a picnic and, you know, take advantage of the fact that it won't be crowded because you're a homeschool yep. family and you can go out there on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday kind of a thing. You know, if, if your children were in a different school model, they would have sick days. And you as a mom would have a day when you could put your feet up and, you know, read a good book or, you know, try a new recipe because cooking encourages you and, and builds you up. The A disadvantage of the homeschool calendar, if you will, could be the fact that we never give ourselves that kind of a break. And that, right. that's not appropriate. It's okay to take what I would call a mental health break. You don't have to call it that. But um, certainly if, if you had a hard week, you had a hard weekend, maybe, you know, Tuesday was a really long day for whatever reason. You can sleep in on Wednesday and and give grace. And I think that can restart us and refresh us in a beautiful way. Yeah, we actually, you know, my kids are are big now, but when they were little, we used to do all kinds of things to kind of upset or reset, I guess, the the rhythm a little bit. We would do upside down days. We would actually just take our school to the park and we would do what little, you know, needed to be done. And then we would enjoy the state park. We would hike, we would, you know, chase geese, whatever it was that kind of caught our attention. But it is unbelievable the resetting power of just mixing up your routine a little bit. Uh, when you feel like you need to do that. Yeah, I love that because it's not, we don't have to worry that, you know, they won't be able to come back to the desk, if you will, the the kitchen table on Tuesday. You know, I've met some people who are are afraid to take a day off for fear that they won't be able to get restarted. That's not the case. And it it is a refresh. It is a restart. And then, um, you know, classically resiliency, it's, you know, thought of as bouncing back from disappointment And uh, the research is very clear. Children and adults who can more quickly recover are going to be the healthiest individuals. So when we have a down day, when we have frustration, when we lose a game, we don't get first chair in the community orchestra, Mm -hmm. when we don't get chosen for the the travel soccer team, when our, you know, flag football upwards team loses, you know, do we bounce back quickly from that? So that's that's really the definition of resiliency, bouncing back quickly from adversity, disappointment, defeat, failure, even trauma. Uh, and I don't take that lightly, but it, it does need to be modeled by moms mm. and dads. You yeah. know, it is it is absolutely essential that we as the mature adults do not throw pity parties that last long, that we don't whine and complain long. Um, we can throw temper tantrums as well as our kids. And you know I'm speaking truth there. That's right. Uh, you know, they look different. They, they don't look the same, but but we do do that. And that's okay, again, give grace and space. And yet, um, if you want your children to not be defined by their disappointment, if you want your children to not be defined by their defeats, 
you don't want them to be victims to the negativity that does exist in community, then we need to train them and teach them and expect them to bounce back. Mm. And so, so do we. And and that's, so that's a quick look at it. And you know what? It's interesting, um, Leslie, because it starts as a choice. Bouncing back is a choice. You know, when your child started to walk, you know, they, they fell down and you didn't say bad boy, and, you know, and you didn't say, <laughs> wait until you're four and you'll be perfect. You stood your child back up and got out the camera and held out your arms and smiled <laughs> and, you know, come to mama. And lo and behold, now, now your toddlers are walking. They chose to stand back up, even if we weren't there. Most of them did not stay down and, and play with their fingers in the carpet long. And we, so it's an ability, it's a choice, and it becomes a learned ability. Mm-hmm. So watch your kids. And when they choose to bounce back, when they choose to start Tuesday with a good attitude, even though Monday ended roughly, when they choose to eagerly go back to soccer practice at the day after they lost the game, and maybe they were a part of the defeat, they made a mistake, if you will, say to them, I'm so proud of you for bouncing back. I'm really mm-hmm. delighted that you delight in the sport and that you don't play just for the victory because that's a really immature way to approach life because life is going to throw you a lot of, of curveballs. So let's use the word, I affirm you for your joy. Thank you for bouncing back. It, it does your spirit good as a mom to hear yourself say that. And mm-hmm. it does the kid, uh, it's good for the kid's heart to hear it. So it starts as a choice. It becomes a learned ability, which means we have to give them opportunity to bounce back and we can't overprotect them. And then after it becomes that learned ability, you know what, Leslie, it becomes a part of who we are, right? Yeah. You and I, you and I don't think about, should I bounce back from that? <laughs> no, we just do, right? Because it's who we become. Yeah. I was actually thinking as you were talking about that, um, I, I th- or I wonder, I guess I'll add this, I'll put this in a form of a question. I, how much does perspective have to do with a person's resiliency? Uh, for example, I was talking to my daughter yesterday who plays volleyball. She's down with a sprained ankle right now, missing mm. a few games, much to her chagrin, because Dr. Lila has definitely cleared herself to get back on the court. But, you know, <laughs> this has been a great exercise in kind of shifting your perspective a little bit from being on the court, being in the game is the be all end all to kind of seeing a bigger view of things and, and how she can still play a role and encourage others and stuff, even through this injury that she sustained, that's keeping her from doing, you know, exactly what she's accustomed to doing uh, during the game. No, absolutely. It's such a great point. So is my perspective, I'm a part of the team is my perspective that loss is a part of life and it doesn't mean I'm terrible or we're terrible Um, We teach, of course, and celebrate kids like you do, that failure isn't final or fatal. Mm. In fact, I don't even use, I don't even like the word failure. Um, Failure is simply, I think failure is um, not learning from opportunity, but mistakes, to to use the word mistake. But no, your daughter, um, praise God that she understands that she can cheer from the bench and praise God that she knows the whole of who she are. That's the other perspective that's really important to resiliency is that I'm not just a volleyball player. Right. I'm also socially engaged. I'm also a writer. I'm also a creative artist. I'm also a musician. I'm also, a, you know, really enjoying geometry or, or whatever the case may be. If kids and adults have a very limited identity and they have all their eggs in that basket, you know, I'm a volleyball player, then when something happens that they need to take that break, whether it be, um, you know, loss or an injury, then they really struggle because they don't have anything else to rely on. And I praise God that you and David are raising your kids to know 
all of who they are so that they have many baskets to put their eggs in, if I can word it that way. Yeah, yeah. And I actually want to park there for just a second, because when I heard you speak this summer um, to a a number, a couple of hundred um, older teenagers, you were talking about... um, really kind of who they are. You were talking about the different things that made them tick. And and I was looking around the room and and I could see for so many of them, there was one that they were like, yeah, that's that's definitely me. You know, and, and for some of them, that's mm-hmm. actually kind of a hang your head type of a situation, probably because they've been, you know, that's kind of been badgered at them for a while. But then as you kept going, I saw, I literally, it was like I could see physical lights going on and they would see other elements of themselves that maybe they hadn't considered before. Um, and then I heard them asking you questions that really just kind of expanded on that. I am this, but I'm also this and oh, and it was like mm-hmm. everything was coming together for them. And so I think that that knowing the whole of who you are cannot be overstated. And it kind of bounces back to where we started even with helping your children understand that by investing the time to understand who they are yourself so that you can help them understand it. Yeah, I I love that. I love that you were there and that you experienced that. And it's, yeah, no, it's it's so true. And unfortunately, a lot of our young adults, our, our older teens, even our kids can have a limited view of who they are. And it's partly because we don't ask questions about all of who they are. Mm-hmm. Again, homeschoolers do need to remember to ask, you know, what were you feeling today? Um, how did you recognize that feeling? What did you do when you had it? You know, when's the last time you were kind to someone, which would be part of their social identity? We can't just focus on the academics. And even though that's a reason that we're homeschooling our kids, yeah, it, it is it is essential because, yeah, we're, we're going to have bad days, if you will. We're going to have hard days. It doesn't make us bad. We have to make sure kids know that. Right. And I think as parents, too, it's very important for us to remember that the environment that our kids are growing up in is so very different than the environment that we grew up in. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, as your kids get older, especially they are they are faced with messaging. Honestly, whether they're on social media or not, they're still seeing it. They're you know, they, they are still faced with this messaging that really keys on one element of who they are. It's, you know, it's what you can create and how you look and what kind of an image you portray. And that is a very weighty thing for our kids. And I wonder how deeply that impacts them um, and how we can help kind of take the focus off of that. And because I, I've even seen, and my kids are are honestly, by God's grace, pretty well-rounded. And yet it's hard to deny all the stuff that they're being fed all the time. Oh, good heavens. Uh, absolutely. You know, I, what if we used, I I don't know, Leslie, what if we use the camera on our phone as a really positive tool at home? You know, if we have a kid who doubts that she's improving, we can record her oral reading and Mm. then record it a week from now and show her that she's less hesitant. Mm. We have a kid who thinks that, you know, she's so slow at math. We need to show her that last week there were 20 problems on the page. This week there are 25 problems on the page. So actually you have improved. It's very easy for kids to lose sight of that, partly because of the comparisonitis that exists yeah. in our culture, but partly because they they don't they don't hang they don't pay attention to strength and it's easier to pay attention to where the struggle is. Some of them are looking at older and younger siblings and you know the way that we communicate our expectations is huge. So we can use the video, we can use the camera, 
we can save old work and show them so that it's now it's a comparison of your past to your present and what are your goals for your tomorrows rather than the negativity of comparing to a brother or to a kid in a co-op or a kid who we've noticed on social media. And we can say to our children all day long, you know, look, you're not Bethany, you're Kathy. Yeah. You know, you're not your brother, you're your own person. And we need to say that. And yet the comparison and the the trap that can happen there is very real. Oh, absolutely. And how how important towards resiliency is it to help our kids get a view of their own progress, you know, of the fact yes. that, yeah, you fell down again. Yes, I, I know this concept is really, really hard, but look how far you've already come. You are going to, you're going to scale this mountain. You're going to conquer this. How important is that encouragement and that kind of tracking to their resiliency? Absolutely. Because if I, if I don't believe I'm improving, you know, the valley seems long and deep and impossible to climb out of, if you will. And so this is on us again as moms and dads to make sure that we're communicating to them what we're seeing doing well. I, one of the things I've mentioned in some of my seminars, Leslie, is that we need a green pen. You know, we need to not just point out the weaknesses, but we need a green pen to make sure that they identify the strength. And I actually had somebody come up to me and, and say, do you sell green pens? Like, <laughs> she, took me, she took me very literally. And I think that's actually a kind of fun idea. But all that is to say is that we need to make sure that our kids know that there are strengths there. And, you know, Leslie, what about the mom, right? Yeah. What about the mom who's listening, who kid, his kid is still struggling with phonics? You know, the mom who's listening and double-digit addition is still slaying their kid. You know, the kid who, you know, they want to do long division, but spelling, but subtraction is still hard. Or, you know, they want to write grandma a note, but handwriting is still really hard. You know, we need to say to you moms that, you know, learning isn't always going to be easy. Mm. You know, I, I tell kids, you know, if they complain, it's really hard. I kind of say, well, that's good. And they're like, no, Dr. Kathy, it was really hard. Like, well, that's really good because you don't need to learn what you already know how to do. Mm. You know, the purpose of school is to learn what you don't yet know. And so you're going to have some bumps, you're going to have some hard days. And so, you know, the mom and the dad who are homeschooling, you know, we need to be resilient to realize that if our kids are still making mistakes, it's not that we're terrible moms or it's not that we're terrible homeschoolers. Learning is a challenge. And, you know, the English language doesn't make sense. My last name is spelled K-O-C-H and we pronounce it cook. You know, that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, you know, and, and there are things that, that are just challenging. And so, we need to remember that we are able to teach our children. Yes. Here at, well, at mid-October, we, we are not failing them. It, we are on our worst day, the best teacher they'll ever have. Amen. Amen. Well, and what would you say to the mom? Because one of the struggles that is incredibly real for us homeschool moms is just absolutely feeling like we're not enough. You know, we, mm -hmm. we see the struggles our kids are having and there's always that doubt. Would they, you know, if they had a better teacher, would they, you know, all of these things. But beyond that, it's, you know, I can't seem to keep my husband's underwear drawer kept, you know, <laughs> stocked. I can't seem to keep up with all of this other stuff. I'm not organized enough. I, I have these great intentions, but I keep falling down. You know, how, what are some ways that us moms can track ourselves and see our progress and encourage our hearts as well as we're growing with our kids? Yes, come on. Um, you know, realistic expectations, really important. What, what do you value and what do you want your kids to know that you value? Is it, you know, and, I, and I'm not a fan of clutter and I'm not a fan of, a fan of mess necessarily, 
but I'm also not a fan of everything being put away every day. Um, I think kids need to see that the house is theirs too, which means mm-hmm. that there's a sippy cup on the counter and an unfinished puzzle on the on the table in the corner of the living room. I think that's important. I think we need to pay attention to who we are paying attention to. Hmm. Leslie, who are we listening to? Are we listening to the naysayers? Are we comparing ourselves to somebody we follow on Pinterest? Please understand those Pinterest living rooms, they don't, they don't, they don't exist. Yep. You know? And you know, how many of us are guilty of, you know, posting a recipe that we think like we'll never make it. It has 16 <laughs> ingredients. I don't even know what they are, but we think it's really cool. No, we got to be really careful of of the lie factor that's out there and make sure that we're listening to and, and watching and observing a truth talkers. We need to surround ourselves with with men and women who are authentic and vulnerable and will hold us accountable to the things that we really do care about. Hmm. We need to make sure, and in my opinion, you know, and again, to those of you that don't know this, I'm single without kids um, and I have a very objective view to life. And I think that's been a strength, actually. That's the feedback I get is that people like that about me. But what I want to say is that to those of you who are married, Make sure that your your husband understands, you know, what's real for you. If you're yep. listening as a mom and, you know, you've got one kid or four kids or seven kids and your husband seems to be, you know, critical. And again, I'm assuming the mom is the primary homeschooler here. Your husband is asking questions. You know, he doesn't he doesn't have intuitive knowledge of everything that's going on in your right. head. So have a conversation and let him know that this is what's realistic and you know, Friday afternoon is the clean the house time. Or could you bravely say to your husband, you know, if you were to do this for me, mm-hmm. you know, every Wednesday night, uh, it would be such a blessing. So we have we end the week with less, you know, negativity or clutter or concern or whatever. So I think to be honest is really, really important. Fair expectations. Yeah. Some of us, you know, one of the advantages to get a homeschooling is we again, there's no hurry. You don't have to do eight subjects a day, right? Yes. You, you can. Yes, really absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and another thing that, you know, just speaking from experience that I want to encourage those of you who are, you know, out there homeschooling and may, may feel really frustrated like this. She was talking about the communication and I would encourage you to understand that we can't expect our spouse to know everything that we're going through if we don't tell them. So when, when our kids were younger, I am, I'm very much an introvert. I, you know, it's, it's so funny how the Lord has stretched me like Taffy by putting me in situations that he has put me into, but, but I still need to be quiet, to think and process a lot of times I need, if I'm going to plan stuff out, the chaos doesn't help me do that at all. So when the kids were younger, it became part of our regular routine where Sunday evenings, generally speaking, after church, after everybody got settled, I would go out for a little while to just kind of think about the week or write it down, plan for the week if I hadn't, whatever I needed to, to kind of reset and be ready for that next week. David willingly gave me that time. He loved the fact that he could, but he would have never known that I needed it had I just been breaking down and never telling him why. (laughs) So I think that a lot of times we don't trust the people that we love with the truth of what we need because we feel like we just need to shoulder it all and take it all and we're going to take care of everybody. But we can't do that if we're not honest about what we need to reset so that we can be resilient in what God has called us to do. Leslie, that's so powerfully communicated. Amen and amen. We are not weak when we need someone's support. 
we are not weak when we admit that this is a way that you could serve us. Hmm. We're not. And oh my goodness, it makes me angry when we have been taught that because of past encounters. So we do want to encourage everyone who's listening to identify what's going on. We don't want you to quit this journey that you've started as a homeschool family. And it can be overwhelming. You know, if you're listening as an introvert, you know, introverts get their energy when they're alone and you've chosen to home educate your kids. So you probably have less time alone than if you sent them (laughs) elsewhere, but that's okay. You can't, I know of many moms who get up early or stay up late so that they have that quiet time. Or, you know, the joke would be drive the long way home. Maybe you still need to go to the grocery store rather than having groceries delivered. You think having groceries delivered has improved your life and I'm sure it has in some respects, but was that grocery run with one kid or alone, the freedom that you needed on a Tuesday night, maybe to have that quiet time, if you will, find out, find that out about yourself. Maybe pay more attention to your rhythm and let people know that you need some support. Yes. Amen. Amen. And it's so funny that you would bring up grocery delivery because that is actually one thing that I have found. I love it. And I still use it when I absolutely have to, but I have really trimmed back on it because there is something therapeutic about just walking down those aisles, being still and quiet and um, thinking the thoughts I need to while I'm grabbing what we need for our, for, to, to make it through another week. So yeah. it's just hilarious to me that that's what you keyed on because that is very real for me. <laughs> well, let me, let me tell you why I keyed on that. Actually, I appreciate that. So that's the Holy spirit that we prayed yep. would be involved here. You know, Leslie, I've had a good number of children tell me that they miss going to the store with their mom. Really? Which is really interesting. And what, what the boys and girls have told me is that that and many of them would go one at one at a time, yep. or even if there were two or three kids. But often it would be, you know, I was the one that would often go to the store with mom, and I missed that time with my mom. That's and that was, you know, car time, and then walking the aisles together. So I wonder too if that's a, a rhythm that we need to consider. It, yeah, enough said. That is fascinating, fascinating I, I think- to me. Um, and I can totally see it because when the kids were younger, that was a very awesome time for us. And it normally was just one of them a lot of times. Uh-huh. Um, so that is, that's, my mind is blown. That is worth the entire uh-huh. podcast for me. So cool. <laughs> oh, that's fascinating. Well, what a joy to share that. Absolutely. Yes. I'm so glad that that just happened to come up. Well, Dr. Kathy, we are just about out of time, but I want you to tell us about the new project that you're working on um, that has to do with resiliency. So we, we kind of know what to expect and when to be looking for it. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Pray. Would you pray with me? Um, so I'm writing a new book. It's called Raising Resilient Kids, Help Them Embrace Life with Confidence. Hmm. I think I like the title. T- Titling a book is always a challenge, but it's Raising Resilient Kids, Help Them Embrace Life with Confidence. And it's due to my publisher in two months. So I have, I really have got to get a bit busier. I have a 28 pages of notes in front of me, 28 pages of kind of random ideas, um, And now it's a matter of organizing it all and what is most important to put in the book for moms and dads of school agers. We are committed here at Celebrate Kids to helping you in really practical ways. And we think, you know, coming back from the pandemic, coming back from 
Uh, this, I mean, this book would have been relevant 10 years ago, but I think it's super relevant now because there's so much negativity. There's so much critical spirit in our, in our culture, if you will. And, and we really at Celebrate Kids want to help you be successful and positive. So pray that the Lord would orchestrate my time, that I would be obedient and be self-controlled in how I use my time and that ultimately the book would be a blessing. It will be available not until the summer of 2022. Okay. It takes a while for books yep. to materialize, as you well know. Yep, yep. Well, we will be looking forward to that. And, um, you know, we'll definitely share it when it does become available and hopefully have you on the show more often as we get closer um, to get more insight on how it's going and, and what else God is teaching you in this vein. Well, thank you. I'd come back anytime. And I'm so looking forward to your conferences in 2022. Totally. Yes, we are too. It's uh can't wait to see everybody in Pigeon Forge and Round Rock and um, you know, see see what other doors the Lord opens, but we are very ready to get back together again um and celebrate what God has given us to do to homeschool and disciple our kids and to grow our families and uh, just thrive together. So we are very thankful that you'll be a part of that again. Well, we're delighted to be looking forward to that for sure, Leslie. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I appreciate it. You are very welcome. And thanks to everyone for listening in today. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you for joining us today. We believe that every family is called to teach them diligently. So we're here to help. We would love to get to know you this year at one of our four live Teach Them Diligently events. And then throughout the year, when you become part of the Teach Them Diligently 365 community, check out the notes from today's show for more details about what we discussed today, as well as all of these other resources that Teach Them Diligently has to offer. Have a wonderful day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon.